Welcome to the best works of emerging explicit romance authors. Our curators select a wide variety of tales about the lifelong human quest for satisfying, lasting, and meaningful expressions of sexual health. Steamy Stories Daily Podcast focuses primarily on short stories. Explicit Novels Daily Podcast presents longer format novels over a span of episodes. Subscribe to both Steamy Stories and Explicit Novels in your favorite podcasting app. And now, today's story. Kale Defeats the Illuminati, Book 3, Part 14. Guardian Goddess in Manhattan. I Final Stand. Listen to the podcast at Explicit Novels. I still had that snaggletooth-looking thing at my back. Well, who the hell was I going to leave it with? Honestly, the only people I felt could keep it safe I loved too much to curse with it. Anyway, the second her divine claw touched my blood, the long dormant weapon whispered to me in a somewhat bored, lofty feminine voice from beyond the grave, do you want me to discorporate this pathetic has-been for you? Quick check. Only the avatar and I, and her priestess savant heard that. Of course, in downtown, New York City, noon Sunday, how weird would such a declaration be? The avatar's eyebrow arched. Her big bat ears, still looking human to the normal viewing public, flicked this way and that, figuring out precisely where the threat originated from. Slowly, her once-poking hand began to slide across my chest, along my ribs and around my back. She touched the dagger. Nothing. Gingerly, she drew it forth. I'd had a makeshift sheath made. As the blade made its journey around me, she took a half-step back to better observe it. Please don't kill him. Thetty squealed. We haven't had sex yet. Being who and what she was, the Avatar did what came natural. Fortunately for Thetty, I'd become accustomed to working with psychopaths. She stabbed the dagger at Thetty. I clamped my hand down on her wrist. The claws of her left hand came down on my constraining wrist. My free hand came down on that hand, trying to pry it free. It was a hopeless struggle, except... Yes, my old friend except. Except the Avatar was holding the dagger. As powerful as its papalotl was, she wasn't pushing against me. She was pushing against Saradhir Kali. Its papalotl was a living, breathing terror machine who killed and received sacrifices on a regular basis. Saradhir Kali hadn't been actively worshipped in 3,000 years. Uneven contest? Oh yeah. See, its papalotl had spent the past 500 years continuously fighting against the weave to keep her fingers on this side of reality. Meanwhile, for the most part, Saradir Kali had sat upon her throne in the Sumerian underworld with hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of souls toiling under her watchful gaze for eternity. Sure, her version of hell wasn't getting any fresh deposits, but she knew how to milk the system well. Even the bad karma for the dagger's creation wasn't hers. She'd stolen it from the foolish Gong Tao sorcerers who had meant to enslave my soul, aka one-third of the Barakuelokale deal she'd worked out millennia ago. It was the weave giving her a freebie for playing by the rules, if you considered the weave sentient. And now its papalotl was touching it. Whoops. It wasn't as if its papalotl was stupid. It isn't like there are tons of magic weapons running around, much less soul munchers like the one I had. Rationally, who would give a novice like me, a weapon like this? I say again, whoops. Once I'd figured this out, I couldn't stop being me. Thetty, do you like girls? What, she squeaked. 
Here was this psycho trying to drive a smilodon incisor into her bosom and I was giving her a sex quiz. Its papalotl was really starting to struggle now. I, ah, are you okay? She continued. Oh, I'm dandy. I'm serious. You think this chick is hot? I mean, would you do her in a three-way? I proposed casually. Timothy? Sovan. Bro? Timothy to me. It's all good. Sovan, you want to know what my life is like? This lady who came to discuss business with me today is an immortal mass murderer. You give the word, I'll let go and this knife is going to cut her up like a Ginsu blade on market day because just cutting her heart out isn't going to be enough. Worse. Eventually she'll get back up. Timothy? Sovan repeated, this time with more concern. He thought I was nuts. I released my left hand. The blade flipped up, twisting in the avatar's grasp. That was the point her minions figured out something was wrong. El Amato, the priestess savant, called out softly. The three goons began reaching four things. Call them off, or I open my other hand, I cautioned the avatar. She spared me a swift, hostile look. My fingers tingled. Estin Quietos, she snapped. They stopped. Kale, bad day, or not? This isn't you. Stop it. The girl's in danger, Timothy spoke up. He didn't mean Fetty. He meant the Avatar. I'm being a real asshole, aren't I? I sighed. Pretty much. You never let the bitches get to you before. Girl pops an attitude, you smile and move on. Life is too short, he reminded me. Too true. I'm going to put my hand over the blade, I told its papalotl, when I do, you can let go. She didn't say anything for several seconds, even after my left hand covered the semi-serrated edge. Why should I trust you, she sizzled. Because me letting anything bad happen to you would make me a total, judgmental jerk. I don't know you. Whatever you did before you showed up today shouldn't matter to me. I acted stupidly. I should have stopped you. I didn't. I didn't even warn you and I could have. I was angry, and not even at you. Just angry and I apologize. Now, let go. Why? Hi. I'm Kale Nihilas. Can I have my knife back? Please? Blink. She released it. For a millisecond, it wanted to do something else because bitches are bitches. It didn't, so my palm wasn't sliced open. My right hand took the hilt. I carefully put the blade away. Yes, Fetty gulped. Ha! Huh? Sovan shook his head at the sudden evaporation of the life and death tension. Welcome to my life. Fetty meant yes to the girl-girl guy thing I had proposed earlier. It pays to keep things prioritized. What is this movie you were talking about? It's Papalot Lasked. Had she forgiven me for anything which had transpired? Bahahaha, no way. She was taking the initiative and going with option one from my earlier insane diatribe. Wait. Sovan nearly shouted. You nearly, I don't know, threatened Kale's life and tried to stab Fetty and now you think you can go with us to a movie? I told you, Timothy put an arm around his shoulder, life with Kale is rarely dull. I thought you meant he was fun to party with, or something like that, Sovan looked up at his lover. 
I thought his uncle showing up and trying to kill him and then being blown the fuck away by those women and federal agents, and that other girl who pointed a gun at us, is this the new normal? I love you, Sovan, Timothy grew compassionate. Kale is my best friend. He'd never deliberately hurt either of us and normal friends are something he has in short supply. Today being a great case in point. 10 seconds passed. The title is, as above, so below, Sovan addressed the avatar, and what do we call you? Since if you are not a worshipper and addressing me, I normally am about to kill you would sound really cool in all mech I see, but I might be asked to translate, how about we go with obsidian, please? I pleaded with her. She knew I was currying favor now and behaving like a weather vane caught in the wall of a tornado she gave a gracious bow of her head. Obsidian will do for now. Is the legend of the dagger business? Translation, it had better not be. No, I smiled. It's pillow talk. Rancor, how presumptuous, followed by, but that dagger ups the count to three goddess interested in him, and next to recalling all the trivial babble about me being a sexual dynamo, I prayed my PR was that good, having some relevance. Her chimera emotions allowed me to get a few more crucial words out, because even women who aren't sleeping with me are jealous. Esta mujer fue la primera en ofrecer bienes funerarios tras la muerte de mi padre, I reinserted Thetty back into my close company. For some reason, Obsidian considered me unreliable thus had to verify what I just said. Did you make funerary offering upon his father's passing? She asked Thetty. Let's think about this. The wacko chick questioning Thetty had tried to stab a huge freaking blade into her not a minute ago. Fleeing in terror while screaming for the cops? Nope. Yes. I baked him some walnut and caramel chip cookies, she nodded. It is a family recipe. Sovan looked over the three of us, then back to Timothy. I told you that's impressive dicking like I've never seen before, he explained. She may remain, obsidian permitted. Thetty wrapped up my right arm with her left and gave it a squeeze. She wanted attention slash explanation. Obsidian is a master vampire, Thetty, I leaned in and whispered. Before she was turned, she was captured in a raid by the Fae, mentally, spiritually and physically raped and made into their sex slave. Part of her spirit never healed properly. While this imperfection allows her to walk around in daylight, her heart can never hold on to any emotion for long, so she is forced to forever seek passion, no matter how dangerous, from the world around her. Revealing secrets? Ha! Huh. I had noticed that he had every work done by Laurel K. Hamilton in her place, including the comic book series. You are not supposed to know, so act like I didn't tell you anything, okay? Okay, she mouthed back at me. I could see it in her eyes. My chaotic life suddenly made sense to her because a best-selling fiction author said so. Obsidian thought the movie was hilarious. She couldn't stop snickering, giggling and poking at me as horrible shit happened to the various actors. She thought the plot was insightful and wouldn't stop whispering to me throughout the entire thing. During the closing credits, I told her I'd get her the DVD for Christmas she knew the concept behind digital technology, but didn't own any she kissed me. The first kiss was fierce and joyous with the added benefit of her tongue doing things no normal tongue could do, it stretched. Not sure how I felt about that. The second kiss was more sultry, longer and came with some accompanying body action which, I'm no virgin. Not even close. She was on my left side, so when she twisted in her seat, her left leg insinuated itself between mine. 
Her left hand cupped my jaw and held my head in place as her lips played along mine. A dance of the scorpion perhaps? Tender at first, then suddenly stabbing, dominant and brutal. My lips and tongue battled back, using my superior kisfu to nullify her natural strength and agility. She liked it. By her moaning, she liked it a lot. As the kiss progressed, more and more of her flowed from her seat into my seat, body facing me. Her body rose over mine, forcing my neck back to maintain contact. So, Dot Ishara is hovering around somewhere close, isn't she? I murmured as our lips separated barely a centimeter apart. One chick kissing you to make another one jealous. It's happened to me plenty of times. Obsidian didn't give a damn about Fetty, or any other mortal woman in close proximity so, yes, she purred. Do you mate with her? A man does not brag of such things, but no, unless heavy petting counts? What will she do to you when I steal your seed? When? Why was I not surprised? Why was I not surprised another concussion was in my immediate future either? Was it possible I was, learning? Chastise me for not fighting harder, I breathed across her lips, and, in case you forgot, I'm on a date with the girl beside me. Who I care nothing for, she sent a cruelly playful look Fetty's way. Wisely, the girl shivered. Who I am indebted to and how I honor my debts might matter to you, I hazarded. My words hurt Fetty's feelings. That was on purpose. Obsidian took pleasure in me hurting Fetty because she was basically a vicious monster. Yes? I pressed her gently. Yes, Obsidian allowed, easing up slightly both romantically and physically. And Fetty, if you believe I'm with you solely because of some sense of obligation, you clearly haven't been listening to your recordings, I shot the human girl a wink. Oh. Am I, or am I not, a sex-obsessed little monkey? I teased her. Fetty giggled. I paid for my diversion with four obsidian claws to my ribs outside of Fetty's view. After all, it wasn't like Fetty could possibly compete with her for my attention. Considering Obsidian's legendary ability to rip open her opponent's ribcages and feast upon their hearts, I slipped my left hand, the one next to her between her legs and stroked her cotton slacks-covered cunt. Fetty hugged my right arm and put her head against my shoulder. Not to be outdone, que un centenar de hombres ese quemaron vivos como el sonido? Obsidian inquired with sexually sadistic hunger. Ah, uh, memories of burning 7P commandos. Whoops. Fetty knew Spanish. No lo sé. Tini and respiradores en, I replied casually. Si lo dice, puedo describir lo que se siente el terror de una flecha de guerra lanzar mi propio muslo. Eep, slipped out of Fetty's lips. Why did you do that? Obsidian looked over us both. Well, I was showing a little girl I believed in her, and she shot you? Fetty gulped. No. She hit the target I was standing next to. A co-worker mistook me for a cardboard cutout of a Jehovah's Witness and let fly. Seems she had issues with organized religion as well as a reaction to the oscillation effect of fluorescent lighting and ceiling fans. But why did you pull the arrow out? Fetty asked. Couldn't you wait until you got to the hospital? Mosquito, obsidian menaced, insinuating Fetty was a pest. I wasn't thinking rationally at the moment, I work in an asylum, I had a hot date in a few hours, any of those three will do, I smiled at Fetty. Copal such as Kale don't bother with petty human conventions, Obsidian turned my gaze back her way with her hand on my jaw. 
Copals were God-touched in her lingo. More than one girl? Fedi mused. Four. Okay, she sighed happily. Fetty, three underage girls in the police office he was dating acting as their chaperone, Timothy intervened. He hurried home so he could keep a promise to the children, not for sex. Bastard. He really was my best friend. He didn't mention my post-injury, pre-festivity sex with Odette giving me a few extra, urgently needed brownie points to suggest I might be a decent human being. You are a wonderful guy, Fetty ran a fingernail over my free hand. Clearly I was wonderful enough to risk Obsidian's anger over. The screen went blank as the last credits scrolled away and the room was plunged into darkness. Five seconds later, the lights snapped on. Pain. Fuck, I hissed. It wasn't any extra physical trauma causing me discomfort. No, a metaphysical dam had burst within and my stream of conscious thought had been turned into a white water rapids. The competing cyclones of thoughts in my mind had stopped cooperating and my hypothalamus was letting me know I was in danger. Kale, Kale, Bro, and Ishera all came in rapid succession. I needed some space, both tangible and social. I need to step outside, I eased obsidian off me and stood up. My sense of my personal danger was ratcheting up. While I had been studying obsidian so I could screw her, I had discovered more and more alo badness. The light display had ignited a series of pressing implanted memories which had been clamoring for my attention. Things like not all divinities were stewards of the weave. Some even wanted its destruction, preferring risking all on a chaotic restructuring of reality over what existed now things like obsidian. They weren't attempting to do so because they thought they had no chance. But there was. A real serious chance to unravel reality existed, and it was staring her in the face. It wasn't me as in I was the Antichrist. But with the torrent of memories pouring forth, I knew where the peril lay and I was completely responsible for it. Hell, I was a prime ally of Armageddon and hadn't even known it. Holy shit. I blinked. Timothy was shaking me. We were out in the lobby. Oh my god, Timothy, I nearly wept. What am I going to do? I have no idea what you are talking about. Is there someone you can talk to about this, he suggested? Normal folks were around us. Obsidian was at my side. Sovan was behind Timothy with an arm around Fetty's shoulder. Fetty, I looked at her. Can I catch up with you later? I just realized I've screwed up something fierce. I put my best really don't want to go but I got a face on. Her worried look brightened, she slipped around Timothy and gave me a tingling French kiss. I'll hold you to that, Kale, she murmured when we parted. Timothy, go home, I got shit to deal with, I hoped my grin didn't become as feeble as I felt it to be. I, he started to say something. Time not to ask questions? Yeah. Okay. Wait. I pulled us to the side and went onto my toes, leaned in and whispered in his ear, tell Pamela he sent Ajax to kill the professor, his family, and the sisters. They were the targets all along. It wasn't me, or the other women. Just in case, okay, Timothy patted my arm. It was cryptic. It was the best I could do. See, I wanted to cry so badly. 2.09 p.m. Sunday, September 7th last day, where to begin, every mythology across the globe has some creature, or creatures, which threatens existence. Usually a god, or a hero god, slays the creature and everything is right with the world, except such a being, 
being older than existence itself, can't really die, so they are carved up, buried what have you. Ilyang Communis was one such manifestation of this underlying cancerous desire to destroy reality. He'd had a far more real child, Solanya, and she's never quite given up on her dad. Of far greater critical importance, she was part of Ilyang Communis, somewhat in the way I was part of Elul and Baraku. And yes, that meant all the offspring of Bolu, the guy I'd praised a few hours earlier, held the seeds of that malignant deity as well. And Elul knew it. He hadn't been killing off the descendants. He'd left that task up to a group far more capable of the task, the Egyptian rite, who knew a fucking threat to existence when they saw it. Lest I forget, no secret society are the good guys. Also lest I forget, I alone decided to go after the Aranite sons to fulfill Vrena's quest. I had no divine mandate I was aware of nor any real-world orders. Inadvertently, I had rounded up the last five mortal remains of Ilyan Communis in one place for convenient disposal in a remote Transylvanian town. The only problem was, if someone didn't get to them quickly, I was also about to whisk them into the loving and heavy-armed, protective embrace of the Amazon host, where the completion of centuries of culling would have suddenly become a cast-iron bitch instead of a simple disposal. Enter Ajax. Yeah, I bet the Egyptians were trying to figure out how I stopped him as well as Elul. I thought I was being clever by not telling most of the world. In fact, they most likely suspected, and the reality of Solanya watching over me was much more terrifying. Ishara had put a serious curse on the Amazons, yet her curse only affected her followers, the Amazons, who were fair game. Solanya had killed someone for me, and I hadn't been one of her followers. Thus I had committed a blasphemous act only a magician of some significant ability could have managed. I wasn't a sorcerer, but I had a cornucopia of mystic knowledge rolling around in my noggin. Trying to figure all this out was one of my major headaches. The others? I even suspected I knew who betrayed me kinda. They didn't do it on purpose. At least I hope they didn't, because my odds-on favorite was my mother by way of Captain Delilah Faircloth. Realistically, there was only one secret society who might help her against Grandpa and that was the Egyptian rite, and they did send three people to Dad's funeral including two somebodies. I'm an idiot. I chatted away in fluent New Kingdom Egyptian and it never occurred to me how odd it was for two of them to also be so fluent in it. Know it, sure, but as fluent as Kimberly had taught me to be? That should have been a red flag. The earth and sky had sent Iskender, who should have been the benchmark I judged the other delegations by, damn it. Three condos? They'd killed my dad and their guys had been flunkies. The seven pillars had been nobodies, which they'd proven by their inaction. Now I had to question why I had three actual nine clans assassins at my dad's funeral too. Holy Ishara, I wasn't nearly paranoid enough. Anyway, why would the Amazons be aiding and abetting the end of all life on earth? Normally, they wouldn't be, but 3,000 years ago, the majority of human life did a colossal dump on the Amazons. And when they needed help, they got it in the form of Solanya and her dual-sex followers. I seriously doubt they told the Amazons their purpose was to resurrect Solanya's daddy. I imagine the Amazons didn't pry too much either. It turned out almost to be okay. During the second betrayal, the Amazons betrayed Solanya and almost short-circuited her plans by exterminating her lineage. Except for the Aranite elders and Bolu. Good old except. I can imagine when the Egyptians heard about the second betrayal, they figured they were okay. 
Those wacky Amazons had inadvertently done the world a favor. Except an act of maternal love kept a slender hope of Ilyanka Muniz return alive. By the time the Egyptians realized they'd been prematurely hopeful, Bolu's descendants were all over the Balkans and hunting them down had proven difficult. But, it gets worse. Much worse. When those gods shattered Ilyanka Muniz, they scattered him in the relative certainty no one would ever gather the parts back together. His flesh was scattered across the land, modern-day Turkey, but encompassing everything from Pakistan to Italy and Egypt to Poland. The flesh became soil, then plants, the things that eat plants, then food for humans. Get the picture. Whoops. Solanya had been doing just that for centuries upon centuries every time she mated with a mortal of Ilyan Communis line and had offspring, they accumulated his energy, which made hunting down the few remaining ones easier to find, since they were beacons of badness, except... There were two key pieces missing which Solanya could never get. After all, you would think burying them on the far side of the world would matter, right? The breath of Ilyanka Muniz's cosmic fire they buried in a volcano in a distant land far across the Great Sea. His spirit body they imprisoned in a great river, again, across the Great Sea. But wait, it gets worse. The being standing next to me knew precisely where the breath of Ilyanka Muniz was. Seems Mesoamerica is laced with volcanoes. They discovered the breath long ago and used it as a weapon called Zayakotl. Better yet, Ailil suspected she and her buddies were more than happy to reunite it with the rest if they thought the weave itself wouldn't annihilate them for daring to do so. In their current, weakened state they were vulnerable to such a karmic backlash. In theory, a reborn Iluyanka Munis would have access to power beyond the bounds of the weave, older and more terrifying. Still, without the mortal remains to anchor the energy, giving it to the spirit would be pointless. Elul knew where the spirit body was, in general, but that wasn't the worst part. The worst part was where it was, of all the places the Aranite sons could have fled to, they had to choose Brazil, the burial place of the restive spirit body of Ilyanka Muniz. Motherfucker. And Ildiko Alconica aka Dusklovaz had sworn she'd travel to Brazil to fulfill Bola's side of the quest in the same way I was holding up Vrena's end. If I tried to stop her, Solanya would know something was up. Fuck. I was processing all of this when Obsidian violently yanked me out of the way. A cabbie had swerved to avoid a flurry of trash and nearly run over us. It was the third near-concussive experience in the past five minutes she'd helped me avoid while she had walked by my side. I'd been mumbling like a madman. That would be my goddess wanting to talk with me, I looked her way. I know, she gave me a clever smile. She's really not going to like that, I shook my head. I know that too, she kept smiling. Where is your mind? Five lives away from making the world a safer place, I sighed. Safer for who, she purred. Where were all the bimbos? Not only was it an insightful question, it cut straight to the heart of my dilemma. What decision could I make? If I elected to help my fellow Amazons, I risked screwing with the world. In truth, I was risking everything even if I did nothing. Well dad was always clear that things didn't change by themselves. You needed to do something that would have an effect. So, what are you going to do? More to the point, I wasn't granddad. Killing the last five of the line of Iluyanka Muniz wasn't me, so it wasn't going to be something I'd worry about. Solanya wanted to bring back her dad, I could understand that. I'd have to figure out a way for her to believe this world sticking around was more important. 
How? Well, I had a goddess-like creature right in front of me to probe for ideas. You are an immortal, Obsidian commented. She'd been weighing her opinion for some time. I could tell by the wonderment with which she gifted each word. What? No. I can die. No. I don't think so. Your wounds. Normally the wounds I inflict flow freely for some time. Yours have already scabbed over, her eyes flickered to the various minor scars she'd imparted to me in the few hours we'd been together. Of course, her idea was insane, oh god no. I was in granddad's body. Well duh. His body was supposed to be immortal. Are you sure? I looked deep into her eyes. You are a young immortal, the youngest I've ever met, but you are an immortal, she seemed to be convincing herself as much as me. Stupid assumption, on my part. I wasn't in Aelul's body. I was in Kale's. Because the Kale soul shard was young, Aelul hadn't been able to find it because it had moved through time, to me, son of a bitch. I hadn't been around for him to find. No. I was making yet another damn assumption. What did I know? When Pamela found Baraku, it had been in an object, not a person, though she had been short on details. When the Aelul shard went to the land of the endless black sands to bring Sako back, the Kale shard had been in reality, so it had been allowed to create a body, me. Still, the curse Sarrat Irkali placed on Baraku was on Aelul and myself as well, which meant I might just be immortal. My Aelul mind agreed with Obsidian's assessment. In his first years, his healing had been slow, still taking days for what took mortal people weeks. I'd stupidly attributed my swift recovery to Amazon medicines, ugh. Because I got wounded more than most security detail trainees while concurrently entertaining two and three sex partners. Can you talk with Dot Ishera? I asked her. Yes, but why would I? Sex? We are going to have sex anyway, she smiled. I tricked her. Set her up with the right so I could now drop her with the left. I can bring them boy Tata. Back to life, I pledged. That was not what she was expecting at all. If you bring the Zyakol, I can bring the flesh and we can unite the three. Boitata was the Tupi name for the legendary fiery serpent of the Amazon basin. In Portuguese, it had become Boitata, a will-o'-wisp with a confused, Christianized mythology a serpent dwelling in darkness, devouring the eyes of corpses, glowing in the forests at night. Where is the flesh? she whispered. In his mortal children, I replied. Who? You are a monster, it's Papalotl. I'm not going to tell you and you don't have the time to drag the information out of my mind before my allies drop on you like a nuclear detonation, I drew my body tightly to her. Why would the Amazons do this? They are not. This is a deal between you and me, I kissed her lips. I pulled back. A few seconds later, she kissed me back. Why? My grandfather had my father murdered and I would avenge him. In the end, despite my father's Amazon heritage, my sisters will let his death go unavenged for the greater good of the host. He was a man and they will never look beyond that they will never value his life as they would that of a woman. Your mother's father? Yes. Kale O'Shea of the Illuminati. We are not at war with the Illuminati, she murmured. It was a casual observation, not a protest. You are at war with Kale O'Shea. He was slain. He didn't stay dead. You know much more than you are saying, she was finally catching on. 
Absolutely. I need much more than a few names to convince my kin to help, she purred, a cocktail of sexual immersion and flesh-flaying pain. I don't work for you. You are agreeing to work for me, I was hard as iron in more than one way. Why? Boundaries. She lived in a world where only the fundamentals of reality constrained her. Having a human, no matter how polished my pedigree, or how much I might appear to be special, tell her you are not the boss in a reasonable fashion was new and very unwelcome. What would make you think that? My mentor taught me knowledge is a curse. It is our inability to forget, and I can see into your soul, it's papalotl. You care not one whit for the life of an assassin. But the thought of the other factors of the nine clans treating you as an equal goals you almost as much as the crushing reality that you need them. You have lived 500 years in chains and I'm offering you a desperate grab at freedom, I added. Your brief glimpse of immortality gives you no insight into my existence, she bristled. Oh, how many have given up? How many have decided the fight was no longer worth it and faded from the sunlight to make their final trip into the underworld, never to return? Do you even visit them? I spoke with a voice tinged with compassion and loss. I pulled upon the pitiless, blank memories of a childless Aelil all those centuries and imprinted on them my own fears of fatherhood and failure. How do you know so much, she let her facade crack, then blow away, in the hollowness of her own sorrow. How could I pity such a monster? I could because I was me and I wouldn't surrender that to the barbaric past and most likely horrific future. I pulled her close, resting my chin on the top of her head. You are not the first, wonderful, very bright woman who has stepped into my life, Obsidian, I whispered. You are not even the first divinity. For all the millions of differences enforced by power and time, I think love, hate and the conflict between the two wear upon us all. If anything, you face an endless parade of hope and misery. Even if you chose to ignore it, you have seen it and perhaps it leaves its marks water scarring the rocks of a riverbed. We paused. I was able to peripherally scan about and realize we'd made it to Central Park, the ramble and off the beaten path. Your goddess is a fool for not keeping you closer, she murmured. She does keep me close. You have been actively keeping me from her, I reminded my guest. She also plays by the rules, so is of limited help in my plans for vengeance. Translation, I could enlist at Spapalotl's aid while still remaining loyal to my matron goddess. Ishara could not provide what I needed and my Amazons wouldn't agree with my scheme, so I needed her. Three hours ago, she wouldn't have considered me a worthy supplicant, much less an allied equal, yet here she was conspiring with me to shake the foundations of creation. Personally, I was thanking Mamatu, Destiny. Had I not been having my worst Sunday ever when we first crossed paths and then acted like a total dickhead, pissed her off and led her to holding Sarratter Callie's dagger, thus putting her life in my hands, and not had Timothy as a best friend, I wouldn't have taken her to the movie, and my mind wouldn't have wandered down those dark corridors of Aelil's memories to piece things together. Whatever itinerary Obsidian had approached me with, my abrasive behavior had forced her to it cast aside. Dagger, movie, revelations, I was now so much more in her eyes than she had envisioned. Share my need and share with me an ounce of your sorrow, I murmured to her as I gently curled my fingers in her hair and directed her head up until she faced me. The dagger, she rumbled. While she was stroking my heart on, I knew she was using it as a double meaning. I was pinned to an onyx sacrificial table, I began my tale. We worked off pants to mid-thigh then got busy. Penetration was only going to be possible by turning her around. 
Groundbreaking was her ready acceptance of my instruction. I leaned against a tree, then pulled her onto my lap. She guided my cock home. One locomotion and I sunk in deep. It was warm molasses until I hit and pressed against her cervix. For a second obsidian trembled, then her muscles clamped down tightly, gripping my manhood firmly in a vice, keeping me still. Ah, I groaned. Obsidian had her neck twisted, so we were kissing with eye contact as I described my adventures with the Gong Tao sorcerers. She shot me a quick twinkle of delight, a connection. She'd relayed physical pleasure in the way I was giving her cerebral gratification, aka hope. I rolled up her shirt and gave both nipples a brutal tweak in response. She gasped. I was applying a little rough with my tender intercourse. She rolled her tush against my groin, an invitation to double down on my nipple play. I kept my left hand working over each tit while working my fingernails down her abdomen. As I described the terror in old Sue's face as he shouted out mayo. Mandarin for no, as he recognized too late the curse he was invoking. She relished the visual of the Han necromancer's terror. Me smacking two fingers down on her clit earned me a squeal and a small gush of fluids on my nutsack. Her look of astonishment was something I'd always cherish. Before me, sex was something she demanded from her followers slash victims and definitely orchestrated. Her partners being fearful slash worshipful must have limited their initiative. Aya, we are being observed, she groaned, her lips less than an inch from mine. It took me a second. Which direction? I kept pumping her, strumming her clit and treating her tit like taffy on a hot Coney Island summer afternoon. Her hooded eyes flickered to our right. I gave it ten seconds. I had to get Obsidian refocused on what I was going to do to her next, in case this was innocent voyeurism. Nope. It was Chaz. Why Chaz? See, I'm an idiot. My cryptic warning to Timothy for Pamela had been good for all of one minute. He'd called her and she'd gathered what she could and come looking for me. Why was she concerned? I was babbling to Timothy then wandering off with a beyond freaky chick I had just met named Obsidian who came my way courtesy of another chick with the name of Astir. Let me see, Astir was Hashishan and for Timothy to describe someone in my life as beyond freaky was bad news. Timothy was seriously worried about me and Timothy was an emotional rock he didn't panic. Lest we forget, I was in a federal task force. A quick peek into New York traffic cameras revealed me an obsidian wandering into Central Park from the south, so when the rescue party went, splitting up and Chaz lucked out. I still had two, no, three problems. I was really enjoying my sexual excursion with obsidian and she was seeming to truly enjoy her experience with me. Oh, and Central Park is big, Pamela had been pressed for people, so she had pressed some unlikely participants into my rescue party. He's, Smooch, my brother, by adoption, I headed off the whole idea she'd been briefed on me already. Visual, Peacekeeper 6, OS 2, L11, Chez muttered into his headset before taking up a casual stance on the path overlooking our trysting spot. Sex with an audience didn't bother her, so, we worked out as much action from twist, turns and two inches of in-and-out motions, she liked to keep our bodies tight, as we could. Obsidian was humming along in no time. Her vaginal walls were undulating, wearing away at my self-control. Panting, not from us, is he oh, are they, who is she, huffed and puffed a trio of voices from Chaz's locale. Oh. Pamela had recruited my hounds. 
I accidentally, from a timing perspective, took that moment to grind my nails into her left nipple, pinched her clit and hammered her as hard as I could. Obsidian howled. Her vocalization exited the human realm in a cataclysmic manner. The noise scared avians a mile away into terrorized flight. Cats hissed, then raced for cover. Dogs tucked tail and ran. Streetlights a hundred yards away shattered in sprays of glass. Better yet, for the entertainment of my viewing public, she lashed out with her right hand at the closest black cherry sapling, exploding it into a mist of sap and pulverizing the bark and wood fiber into pulp. On the downside, her cervix gave my balls an ultimatum release my seat at once, or she was going to twist off my cockhead. My cock and balls have a long history of making decisions without me. I began lavishing her uterus with my semen, five, six, seven powerful shots before I finally got the feeling I was out of the danger zone. She was back to rubbing against me and purring in blissful satisfaction. Onan Goslery, whispered Belgin, one of the Turks. Her eyes? Kale, are you aware of the alternative nature of your liaison? Chaz coolly cautioned me. Translation, mate, do you know you have your dick in a demon? Yeah, I coughed. I had a face full of her hair. I was working on some postcoital nuzzling along with slowly helping her get her pants back up. In Insquioxipa, she hummed to me, ignoring our gathering. That was, let's do this again. Tewatlkakilhua, I replied with some fondness. She studied me for a second before deciding my term was one of endearment, thus you are what dreams are made of, not nightmares. Obsidian had another issue to deal with. Timothy would call it a righteous dicking. Whatever it was, her hold on her human mane had slipped and her inhumanity was slipping through, mainly in her glass-like, black, multifaceted eyes and her fingers which now ended in molten obsidian talons. On the subconscious level, her predatory nature was setting everyone close by on edge. I could also make out the high-pitched, ultrasonic pipping of her chiropteran cry's purpose unknown. Obsidian made her way off farther into the underbrush leaving me a few precious seconds to appreciate her retreating posterior while holstering my equipment. More people were arriving. I had one more thing to take care of before, oh look, Nikita had brought her mom along, the NYPD sergeant. Chaz, I need to have a quick chat with Dot before I can explain things. She's been waiting and that's unwise, I looked to the Brit. He nodded. Kale? Mr. Nihilus? Prince, all came my way. I relaxed as best I could. Chaz went to a body blow to stagger me, then an epic uppercut to send me to lullaby land. Dot and the dragoness Dot and Solanya, in dragon form, were waiting as I tumbled forward. By the state of my haziness, I knew my unconsciousness wouldn't last long. You gave her your seed, came the accusation. Yes, I staggered, and now you should be able to track her, I pointed out the bonus part of the arrangement. No comment. I've got to make this quick, Solanya, I've found your father, geographically speaking, I dropped the bomb. Don't, Dot Ishera, commanded. After all, she and her divine cohorts had done the killing and corpse-dividing eons ago. Undoubtedly, they'd executed their own oaths to one another to never reveal what they had done as well. Too late, I shook my head. Solanya's attention was magnetized. I owe you and I'm paying my debts. I'm not blind to the dangers, believe me. You have no idea what power you are invoking, Dot's undercurrent of displeasure was the worst I'd experienced. Wrong. I've got thousands of years of Alo boiling around in my head, 
plus the rest of you betrayed her 2,600 years ago. It doesn't mean I have to. And now, given the chance, I'm not. Even if you kill me, she's got enough to. Back in the ramble, really expect me to believe, Nikita's mom was growling. Man down, I waved a weak arm skyward. Mr. Nihilas, what is going on here, the sergeant addressed me. I was reclining in a circle of my hounds, most were kneeling. Chaz was in a tiny bit of trouble for having clocked me. Um, thanks for coming out and looking for me. I assure you, Mr. Tomorrow did what he did as a matter of his professional duties intelligence gathering. As I struggled to stand, my ladies helped me. I saw Pamela with three hounds coming up fast from one direction and Virginia with three more coming from the other. The gang was all here. The mutterings in non-English tongues suggested a bit of explaining was already going on. You've been bleeding, Nikita pointed out with an unspoken again. This? I pulled my shirt out and looked at the first bloodstain of my encounter. This is the just the start of the bad news. I shed my windbreaker and then t-shirt. The professionals shouldered aside the others to take a closer look. All of these are from noon and less than an hour ago, I identified the damage. Sarge was skeptical. Chaz, Nikita, and Virginia less so. They look older, the senior lawman noted. I've been curious about that, Chaz frowned. I've inherited my grandfather's curse. My soul fragment was in the here and now 23 years ago while his was, over there, so I was allowed to come into creation. According to my recently departed guest, you are immortal, Virginia mumbled to finish the thought. Had the speaker not been a member of the FBI, who knows how the thought would have been received. From the memories I've been gifted with, I tapped the tiny divot on my forehead, his healing abilities started out rather slowly too. I certainly don't want to test this theory, so no worries there, I scanned the group. How do you explain seeing your grandfather in Hungary and again in Rome? Virginia wondered. Again, that woman who just left, I got out. Was no woman, Nerey, another one of my Turkish hounds, interrupted. Her eyes. She tried to explain, and look what she did to that tree, she pointed to the greatest piece of evidence of supernatural wrongdoing. The other two witnesses nodded. We all saw the same thing. Her eyes were, bottomless, definitely not human, Belgian affirmed. The veteran players looked to Chaz. She had a collapsed nose bridge, lacked a blink response, her dental work was carnivorous and her tongue was extremely clipped and showed prehensile qualities, he reported calmly. Pause. Chaz was a freaking intelligence operative, after all. If her hands were a type of glove weaponry, I've never seen its like before. While I know it is possible for a human to exert the force pounds necessary to snap a two-inch diameter tree trunk in one blow, it is a rare skill and requires intense discipline. This appeared to be done spontaneously, without preparation of any kind and as a reaction to other stimuli, he added. It was also your assessment he needed to be knocked unconscious? Nikita's mom countered. Mr. Nihilus' psychological constructs are something the whole team has to work around. At times, he seeks insight from his mind in a deliberately unconscious-slash-non-sleep state, he replied. He claims to be talking with spirit powers. I know when he returns to consciousness, he delivers useful intelligence. I'm not a psychologist, psychiatrist, or psychic. I don't know why his mind functions that way. I do know results. And I know I work with people who would achieve those results by other means if it were at all possible. 
Since we haven't found another method, we accept that from time to time, Mr. Nihilus will be rendered unconscious for the benefit of the team. So you would beat him to death for results, she squared off with the Brit. No. That is horribly simplistic, Ms. Kutuzov, Chaz exhaled evenly. I value Kale's life deeply. Not only is he a genuinely decent human being, his actions have saved millions of lives. It is not a matter of hurting him in order to save one life, or five, or ten. It is never that clear-cut. I know Kale is in his right mind and trying to make a difference. I owe it to him to support him when I can. Today, right now, it means I fulfilled a requirement for his inner psychic workings. Had he been confused, or near death, I would have refused. As your daughter can explain better than I, working with Kale Nihilus gives complicated a whole new meaning. Nikita nodded vigorously. Fine, Sarge folded her arms. To me, maybe you can explain what the panic is all about. This will make as much sense as the plot of a stranger gets mean, I rolled my shoulders. I was putting my shirt back on, buying time. Which one is that? Pamela gave me a twist of the lips, a smirk in training. The last of the A Stranger films with Tony Anthony, I smiled her way. The one with the sneaky gunslinger, the princess, the moors and the generic barbarian horde? Yeah. How can you know? Ah, in the first film, the girl with the whip, Pamela got snarky. Don't abfuscate the question, Sarge persisted. I'm not. How does a young man not know Unforgiven, which won for Academy Awards, yet knows all four of the A Stranger films, which I'm sure no one else here has ever heard of, Pamela grinned at the other older woman. Maybe, kinda, sorta, and it was at a film festival in Keene, I supplied the alternate answer. Sergeant Kutuzov, I work with horrible people and the best reason I can think of to keep going back to work is around me right now, I let my eyes flicker from her steely gaze to the assembly. The truth is, I was in danger and at a moment's notice, 17 people showed up to help. That I worked my way through the dilemma before you arrived doesn't diminish, in my eyes, what so many were willing to do on my behalf. So, so, the women is evil and part of the leadership of a faction your government is allied with in the goings-on elsewhere around the globe. By evil, I mean ritualized rape to breed future pawns for their struggle, plus human sacrifice and blood offerings on a regular basis, in addition to the usual bad. I had to impress upon her I was going to be a useful ally, and heading off the accusing looks, and in a manner which went way beyond bedroom antics. See, it turns out my side is inadvertently doing shit which could bring about the end of the world, I lathered it on. No lie. Don't trust me. Trust the look in the eyes of people who know and work with me. I let the hounds and Sarge do just that. So, the people we are fighting, are trying to save the world, but for their own selfish ends, which don't work out well for anyone standing in this circle we have today. So, I have to balance keeping my side safe thus endangering existence and stop our opposition, yet keep them in play long enough to tie up the forces actually trying to destroy all life on Earth, at least until I can deal with them too. That has been my afternoon so far, I finished up. Yep. I was a nutty nut bar slathered in nut crumbs and buttered in nut oil. Then the sane folks looked at the other supposedly sane folks who doubled as my co-workers. Even Nikita, who hadn't been read into most of what Jicket did, was nodding alone, totally accepting my blatherings as gospel. Special Agent Maddox, is it? Mama Kutuzov turned on the one other adult she might respect, the federal law dog. Sergeant, I've seen things I'm unsure about. 
Of greater importance, I've seen otherwise completely sane, rational people behave inexplicably around Kale, for both good and ill. Would I stand in front of the head of the FBI and testify Kale Nyla's Waiko Ashera was a supernatural entity, I'm afraid I would. I can't pinpoint any precise act. It is more how those who know him react to things he does which he shouldn't be able to do, telling us things he has no rational explanation to know and speaking in languages he's never been known to be in contact with before, Virginia forged ahead. Then you take in the evaluations of the other normal people we work with, people like the color sergeant here and special agent lawyer. When service professionals start referring to the people in the field they are working with as ninja. Or how the great Khan, a man Kale's age, ruthlessly leads one of the largest nations on earth and considers Kale his brother, she left her thoughts about the great Khan dangling. So your engagement to the Sultanate woman is politically based, Mama turned on me. Oh, that had I been toying with Nikita question. I don't look at it that way, I met her stare. Hannah has been working overtime to make our union something more than a hollow parody. Sadly, my grotesque life is relentless and maturity is not something I ever had planned to embrace. Now I'm looking at fatherhood times 11, I got out in a wistful tone. 11, multiple voices chorused. One is with Hannah, I aimed at Nikita and Nikita's mom. The pace of my declaration meant I wasn't a Lothario or deadbeat dad. I was happy about having children, unhappy about marriage, yet accepting my screw-ups as my responsibilities. This is because you are the last of your bloodline? Flannery questioned. I don't like thinking of my sons and daughters that way, but yes. Of my father's family, outside his unmarried sister, I'm it. I am also expected to establish alliances with other entities and often the only value we share is our love of our offspring. Is anyone else contributing? Mama persisted. Pamela frowned. Not good. Havenstone is notorious for not sharing, working poorly with others, and for holding male lives valueless, so until my arrival, such deals were not possible. Within Havenstone, they do have the custom of adopting daughters, I hurried things along. Within the other two groups we are allying with, such blood exchanges are more common. Is this practice going to stop when you are married? No. Mom, Nikita intervened, Kale isn't. Leading these women on. I admit his, and their, behavior is odd. His whole life is rather inexplicable. You'd have to see him interacting with his co-workers to understand how much words fail to describe what it's like around him. Nikita, we can start by talking about these twelve, Mama took in my hounds with a sweeping arm gesture, European girls showing up at the drop of a hat, plus my long history dealing with Marilyn St. James and Desiree Fredrickson, both of whom I have suddenly stopped seeing, right after he showed up in their lives. I know Mr. Nihilus, Kale, is miles beyond what you find in the pages of the New York Times. I'm worried about you. Wonderful. Let's get out of here, Pamela began to corral us. As we began moving along, Virginia pulled out her phone and gave work a call, they'd found me and I was okay. Me? I couldn't chat at the moment. I had a 3.30pm with Oneida and Shani for some portion of the meeting no doubt, I was making her a grandmother. I've been talking with Pamela and I may have a way out of your conundrum with these twelve, Chess sidled up to me. The twelve in question were in hushed conversation in four languages, going over what the first three had seen. Yes? I looked his way. He seemed especially serious. Yes. We tomorrows have a few people schooled in the military arts. 
Notably, my uncle Mason, former Asaeus with 30 years in, my cousin Tanwin tomorrow, has been a staff instructor for the Honorable Artillery Company, she was not an artillerist's, my older sister Estelle now a Karoo, former Royal Marines and my older brother Todd, former SRR, are all currently capable of doing you, me, and the world a favor. They'd train my, hounds? Not kill them? As you pointed out, there is more to a person than physical strength. There is character and willingness to dare. There is a spirit of adventure and a desire to risk not only their lives, but save the lives of the woman next to them. Fighting skills, endurance and discipline can be instilled with the proper training and motivation. You provide the motivation. Let my clan provide the rest, Chaz offered. Who will I owe? Me and mine, Kale. You are the head of an Amazon first house, blood brother to the great Khan, diplomat of the host, father to a wonderful little girl and grandson to a woman who is as much family to me as anyone born of my blood, or who I have ever had the pleasure to spill blood beside, he confided. Okay. Do me a favor, he asked softly. Sure. I think I might be a father. Getting her to talk about it isn't happening and this isn't something I can ask Pamela to look into, he requested. Chaz had been banging one of the SD ladies assigned to Jicket's protection force. A man of Chaz's character wasn't the type to mosey through the available herd. No, he'd picked one and, since things had worked out, he'd loyally stuck with her. Neither lover would mention word one about a commitment. And if she was pregnant, it was easy to conclude she would believe it was none of his concern. If it was a male, we wouldn't know until month four and a half or five, name? Tavi Gentry, of House Stelgos. I recalled her around 30, black hair, caramel skin, short, 5 feet 4 inches, with small breasts with wide hips and a tight, hard body. I'll find out, I grinned. Of more immediate concern to you, as of 7.30 this morning, all male Amazon children are to be given over to the royal house instead of slain. I'm already working on exemptions for myself and the future house Solanya. How did you pull that off? Thank Queen Aya next time you see her, I grew crafty. I should have known better. Chaz hit his surprise too well. I'll do that. I saw Pamela looking my way intently. Her eyes bugged out and she mouthed Aya, then a huge wow. I was glad someone was both happy and surprised. To be continued. I final stand for Literotica. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We hope you found pleasure and inspiration. Come back tomorrow as we continue to bring you more explicit romance tales and subscribe to our podcast feeds in your mobile devices to access our entire library of hundreds of daily episodes. Happy dreams.